What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week 11 of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. It is 8.35 in the morning. We got an early start today. Typically, I don't like to face my failures in life until at least noon, but I figured, hey, we better get week 10 out of the way so we can look to the future and the positives that will come in week 11. I shouldn't call week 10 a failure. It wasn't a failure. It was, it, it, but it wasn't great. Like there's no way to sugarcoat week 10. We didn't do well in week 10. Any week where you are under 500 straight up, it hasn't been a good week unless you absolutely dominate the betting picks, which is hard to do if you're under 500 straight up. We didn't do any of those things. We did all right on the over under straight up only six and eight in week 10. Again, not good enough. I know another game one way, another game the other way, and it would have been 500 and maybe I wouldn't be starting the video like that but you know again it wasn't good we were under 500 at six and eight but we're 89 up 56 down with the two ties so far this season straight up against the spread five and nine again not good I had the New York Giants winning the game last night but they only won by a single point when I had the minus two and a half so I have to take that as a loss which is crummy i had really hoped that i could at least pull it to six and eight at least pull it to even with my straight up record but that did not work out so only five and nine still 75 up 68 down with the four pushes against the spread on the season over under better week eight and six above 500 we'll take that over under for sure 78 up 68 down and one over under on the season Going to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week 10, and this is where a lot of my struggles came. I only went 2-2 two and two straight up in those picks. Those are usually a lock for 3-1, and one, and a lot of the time we'll go 4-0 and oh on those picks. Did not work out this week. The bronze pick is where it all started to go wrong. I told you to take Atlanta to beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. The Eagles win that game 24 to 15 it wasn't against the spread loss because i told you to take atlanta obviously that was a pick at the time we did the uh, episode so that didn't work out and it was an over under loss so we completely whiffed on the bronze pick this week i told you to go over 50 and a half points didn't work out they only scored what was it 39 so complete abject failure in the bronze pick this week Silver pick was a little bit better. Told you to take Baltimore to beat Cleveland. They did that opening the week 28 to 7. It wasn't against the spread loss because I told you to take Cleveland plus 10 and a half. I couldn't give the Ravens offense that much credit. They put up four touchdowns. Cleveland only puts up one. So Baltimore covers the spread there with relative ease by 21 points. It was an over-under win, though, as well as I told you to stay under 45.5 points. They only get to 35, so straight up and over-under wins in the silver pick, lost it against the spread. Struggled in the gold pick this week. Miami with the win. A pick six of Phillip Rivers, I believe, towards the end of that game, seals it for the Dolphins. San Diego loses to Miami. 31 to 24 it wasn't against the spread loss because I told you to go San Diego minus three and a half I thought that was very comfortable didn't work out that way but the over under did work out for me as I told you to go over 48 and a half points and they get up to 55 and in the platinum pick I told you to take Arizona to beat San Francisco they did so but who boy was that ever a barn burner it's almost like Colin Kaepernick is the right quarterback in San Francisco Arizona beats San Francisco but it's only on a field goal towards the end of the game 23 to 20 it was an against the spread win because I told you to take San Francisco plus 14 because that line was disrespectful to the 49ers 
Over under, however, it was a loss, as I told you to go over 48 points. They only get to 43. Another touchdown either way, and we would have had that one. So we were only 2-2 two two straight up in the Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze. We were only 1-3 against the spread in those games. Rough. We were 2-2 two two on the over-under. Let's take a look at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools for Season 5 of the show. Start, of course, in the straight-up pool, as always. And for the first time since Week 4, I am no longer leading the straight-up pool. Again, bad week for me. And a couple of, you know, not great weeks with the confidence points. And that's exactly what happens. So I've now dropped down to second place out of the 28 managers in the league. 755 out of 1,160 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 65%. No longer good enough for first place. In week 10, I only pulled in 49 out of 105. Because we had a couple of big losses there. It's only 47% clip. That's never going to be good enough to win a week but shout out to our week 10 winner west coast martin martin wong he's been a listener and a viewer of mine for years now and he's always been a great supporter of mine huge shout out to west coast martin he won week 10 9 and 5 straight up that's awesome in 14 game week you got to nine wins that's excellent and 72 out of 105 possible confidence points was good enough to win week 10 that's a clip of 69%. And shout out to our new overall leader. It's In A Minute Man again. He's 90-55 and the two pushes. 761 out of 1160 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 66%. So you can tell the gap there is only six points. This is still very close. We're still right in there. And a really strong week 11 is going to go a long way towards what the end result will be. Remember, we run clear through the playoffs in this pool so shout out once again west coast martin for winning week 10 and in a minute man for being the new overall leader we go to the against the spread pick em pool where i now sit all alone in fourth place out of 22 managers 75 correct against the spread picks out of the 146 games so far in the nfl this season that's only a clip of 51 percent but it is good enough for fourth place again week 10 i only pulled in five correct against the spread picks out of the 14 games that's only a clip of 36 percent that is not good enough but everybody kind of struggled this week except for our week 10 winner shout out to our week 10 winner teddy bridgewater five teddy bridgewater has been in my leagues now i think for a couple of years nine out of 14 against the spread picks correct in week 10 that's a clip of 64 percent that's a really good percentage anytime you're up over 60 percent with the against the spread you're doing something right teddy bridgewater wins week 10 and our overall leader remains Brady's back, Holly Gordon. Uh, now, I believe with a three-game lead over, I believe it's Half Moon's picks. Uh, 81 out of 146 possible games so far this season picked correctly against the spread. So Holly is at a clip of 55%. Shout out to Teddy Bridgewater 5 for winning week 10 in the against the spread pool. And to Brady's back, Holly Gordon, for remaining our overall leader. Let's take a peek into Fantasy Corner and see how my eight fantasy football teams did in Week 10. And it was kind of a microcosm of the way the picks went in Week 10. My fantasy football teams only went 3-5 and five straight up uh, across my eight teams. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, it's another L, man. And it was a terrible performance by my team. Hatbox just 
I all think might have doubled me up. Like he just destroyed me. So we're sitting now at four and six after ten weeks. It's going to be a real struggle at this point to get to the playoffs. It's not impossible, but I pretty well have to win out, get to seven and six, and kind of hope for a miracle because I believe fantasy football playoffs begin in week fourteen. So I I got to win out. Week eleven, I got a matchup against the Bad News Bears, who I believe I beat earlier this season. Let's just take a peek at that. I did beat them earlier in the season. I beat them in week two. So we got another matchup coming up. Shout out to Hatbox for the matchup in week 10. Unfortunately, you got the better of me this time. Uh, Bad News Bears hoping for a win here. Again, I pretty well have to win out and hope for some luck to have any hope of making the fantasy football playoffs in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League. And as always, I'll remind you, if you're watching the episode, listening to the episode on YouTube, go down to the description of the video. You're going to be able to find all of my results from week 10, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 11 in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools for season five, the straight up and the against the spread pools. It is not too late to get yourself shouted out on the show. Remember, we go all the way through the playoffs, so it's never too late to get in there and win a week. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page where we talk about football all damn week long. And you're going to find links to other high quality NFL YouTube Prognosticators who get out there and do this every single week. If you're listening to the episode on SoundCloud, by the way, sorry about not getting the SoundCloud episode uploaded until, geez, I think it was Friday. I don't know, for whatever reason, it just completely slipped my mind to put the episode on SoundCloud. So, mea culpa, sorry about that, folks. But if you're listening on SoundCloud, search NFL YouTube Prognosticators on Facebook, join the Facebook page. Again, the page is just blowing up. We're getting a lot more new members, some that are actually talking, which is fantastic. We talk football all week long. Get in on the fun. Much like when you're actually playing the game itself, you gotta have a bit of a short memory in this prognostication game when you have bad weeks, and even when you have good weeks, when you're up, it's never as good as it seems, and when you're down, never feels like you're gonna be up again, but we are gonna be up again in week 11. Let's get into the picks. We're going to start in Carolina where the Panthers are going to play host to the New Orleans Saints, a battle of the NFC South, and two teams that are really not out of the NFC South. Atlanta has kind of come back to the pack here a little bit, well, come back to the pack by which I mean they lost last week, but I mean Atlanta's only sitting at 6-4, and four. the Saints are at 4-5. and five. Carolina's probably further out of it. I think they're, in, the, in this NFC, they're probably going to have to, I don't know, win out to have a shot at the playoffs, much like me in the Prague's Fantasy Football League. But, I mean, it's not impossible for the Panthers to win out. Panthers are a good football team, but my God, what the hell was that last week? I blame my under 500 week in Week 10 solely on the Carolina Panthers. That That's a bit of a joke, but there's, there's, a, little bit, there's a little bit of truth in my pain because, like, Carolina had that game wrapped up. I stopped paying attention to it because I was like, okay, boom, there you go. Carolina's got that game wrapped up. And the next time I turn around, Kansas City's kicking a game-winning field goal. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? For Carolina to lose a game like that, that can be the kind of signature demoralizing loss that can torpedo the rest of your entire season. 
this is where we're really going to get the test to see what kind of mental fortitude Ron Rivera and the Carolina Panthers have. Because after a loss like that, it's really easy to turtle. The difficult thing to do is to step up in your next game and pick up a win. Which makes the fact that the Saints are coming to town all the more worse because it's not like the Saints are an easy win anywhere. These two teams last met a month ago when they combined to put up 79 points, nearly 1,000 yards of offense, and over 750 yards passing. So basically, when it gets around to the over-under, you know how I'm going to tell you to go. Look, both of these teams lost last week, so it's not like the momentum is hugely on one side or the other. I'm going to go with New Orleans here, and the reason that I'm going with the Saints is I need to see how Carolina is going to respond to last week. It's wholly based on that. I need to see how Kelvin Benjamin's going to respond to last week with that just terrible, just getting out-muscled for the football. He caught the ball, and then I literally just took it away from him. So I need to see how Kelvin Benjamin's going to respond to that. I need to see how Cam Newton's going to respond to that. And I just need to see that as a team, Carolina has not folded like Superman on laundry day. I need to see that before I can confidently pick with them in a game like this. I have to go with New Orleans. It certainly doesn't hurt that New Orleans is 4-0 against the spread on the road this year. They might only be 2-2, but they're 4-0 against the spread. The defense takes a little bit of an uptick on the road. The defense has played really bad in New Orleans this year, but the defense takes an uptick on the road. Carolina, so does their defense. Their defense takes an uptick at home. So, I mean, this could be a defensive battle. I don't expect it to be, but it could very well be a defensive battle. But... I like New Orleans straight up in the upset, quote-unquote, to beat Carolina. On the line here, Carolina favored by three and a half points at home. I think that's way too many in a division matchup. Two teams that were, you know, played each other very close in the last game. So New Orleans plus three and a half. I think either way you go in this game, you should take New Orleans plus three and a half, even though it's on the road. So I like New Orleans plus three and a half. Total in this game is 51. Go over on it. So... New Orleans beats Carolina straight up in Carolina. I like New Orleans plus three and a half on the line over 51 points. Going to head up to Cincinnati, Ohio now where the Bengals off their loss last night on Monday Night Football by a single point to the Giants takes on the Buffalo Bills in Cincinnati. Buffalo coming off of their bye week. Bengals did something we're not used to seeing from this team in terms of you know, their last, you know, decent, decent number of wins, which is blow a lead late. They even talked about it on the broadcast. They were like, once Cincinnati gets a lead, you know, in that fourth quarter, man, they're, you know, they're tough. They're tough. It's, it's, they're almost impenetrable. And as soon as someone says that, you just know the sports gods are going to go impenetrable, eh? And no, that doesn't mean the sports gods are Canadian. It just means they're going to try to find a way to muck that up. And they did. Great call by Ben McAdoo on fourth and goal for the Giants. Boom, touchdown. That gave them the lead. And that's the way the game ended. Cincinnati drops that game 21-20. to That's a demoralizing loss. I don't care how you frame it especially on that one series where I think Andy Dalton got sacked on three straight plays now granted those were the Giants only three sacks of that game but that's questionable if that defensive line late in games if they're down if they can't protect their quarterback that's a big problem 
especially with Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills coming to town. Now look, the Bills have lost three straight games. They've gone from four and two to four and five. That's a big problem. This is a good offensive team. The Bills have scored as many touchdowns this season as the Patriots have. Patriots are just seven and two, while Buffalo is four and five. Bills are only two and three on the road. Cincinnati is two and one, but they also have that tie, which they really did not look good in that game. At 3-5-1, the Bengals are essentially on life support at this point in terms of the playoff races. Now, it's worth saying, at home, their offense gets better by a couple of points. At home, their defense gets better by nearly a touchdown on average. So, Cincinnati plays much better at home. But I'm going to go with the Bills in this game, and I'm going to tell you exactly why. First, that defensive line. Buffalo leads the league in sacks defensively with exactly 30 so far on the season. That does not spell good things for, again, a Cincinnati Bengals team that on that one critical, important drive could not protect their quarterback. Boom. It was at least two sacks on one drive, if not three. So that there's going to be going up against the best defensive line, arguably, in football in terms of rushing the quarterback, getting to the quarterback. Andy Dalton does not like pressure. He's shown that over his career. Now, look, no quarterback really likes pressure, but there are some that play better in pressure than not in pressure, but Andy Dalton's not one of them. Again, Buffalo coming off their bye week. They're going to be fairly well rested. Maybe they get a weapon back on that passing attack. That passing attack has not been good this year, and they just lost their starting center for the season with a broken leg. That's a big problem. I'm not saying that it's not, and I think Cincinnati is going to be able to put more pressure on Tyrod Taylor than they would be able to put if Robert Wood, I believe is his name, or maybe not Robert Wood, but Wood, I know, was the guy's last name, the center. If he was in there, I'm sure that they wouldn't be able to get quite as much pressure on Tyrod Taylor as they will be able to in this game. But Tyrod Taylor, very mobile quarterback, and he's got one of the best running backs in football back there in LaShawn McCoy. Dump it off to delays, things like that. It's going to have to be a quick hit offense. I think Buffalo is more than capable of getting it done. And you look at Cincinnati's defense, the one thing that Cincinnati has really struggled to do this season is stop the run. They're giving up an average of 117 yards per game on the ground on the season. That is good enough for number 24 in the league against Buffalo, who is one of the elite run offenses in football with a guy like LaShawn McCoy. They can put Mike Gillisley in there as a change of pace back. I like Buffalo's odds in this game. I'm going to tell you to go with Buffalo. On the line, Cincinnati favored by four and a half points at home. This is another one where I think even if you're going to go with Cincinnati, take the Buffalo side of this line. Four and a half points, that's way too many as far as I'm concerned. So, I like Buffalo straight up. I like Buffalo plus four and a half at Cincinnati. Total in this game is 45 and a half. I'm still going to tell you to go over on it because, again, Cincinnati's defense middle of the pack at best especially in terms of stopping the run i think buffalo is going to be able to put up their points cincinnati could very easily kind of put up a comeback here towards the later part of the game but i like it to go over 45 and a half points maybe on a garbage time touchdown who knows so buffalo beats cincinnati in cincinnati i like buffalo plus four and a half over 45 and a half points Let's go to Cleveland now where the Steelers are in town. Steelers lost last week. They're not going to lose this week. Uh, Cleveland going to continue their ways this week. We're not going to talk about this game for very long because this is just going to be an absolute drubbing by the Steelers. Steelers might put up 50 points. We'll put it that way. Steelers might put up 50 points. Pittsburgh goes into Cleveland. Pittsburgh's going to beat Cleveland. 
what in any game so far that Cleveland has played would give anyone any indication that Cleveland is going to beat Pittsburgh. Now, maybe that means that they do end up beating them and I look like an asshole, but sorry, Um, I I don't think it's going to happen. So Pittsburgh beats Cleveland in Cleveland. Pittsburgh's favored minus eight. It's under double digits, so I'm going to tell you to take it. Pittsburgh minus eight at Cleveland. Total in this game is 49 points. Pittsburgh's defense isn't the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're good, but they're not they're not the greatest. So I'm going to tell you to go over on that one. I think Cleveland will be able certainly to put up more points than they put up against Baltimore last week. So 49 points, very achievable. Again, Pittsburgh may cover that on their own. So Pittsburgh beats Cleveland in Cleveland. Pittsburgh minus eight on the line, over 49 points. Now, here's a matchup I'm really looking forward to. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Defensively this season, the Ravens have been off the charts great. The best run defense in football, a top five secondary, and I believe they have overtaken Arizona, Minnesota, Houston, Philadelphia, LA, defenses like that in terms of being the top overall offense or top overall defense sorry in football the Baltimore Ravens have been getting it done in fact they're one of only two teams along with Arizona to be giving up fewer than 300 yards per game and what a test that defense is going to face in Dallas against the Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott Dak Prescott that's going to be a hell of a matchup there when De- when uh, Dallas has the ball. Dallas a top five total offense. That run offense, obviously, with Ezekiel Elliott. He has been unbelievable this year. Should be the MVP. And for somebody that, that talked so much trash on Ezekiel Elliott in the preseason... It's, I'm just I'm just eating crow every week that Ezekiel Elliott just puts up these monster numbers. One of the best rookie performances, I believe, of all time already. And he's still got, you know, seven more weeks. So Dallas, that run, that run offense, they nothing wrong with that. And Ezekiel Elliott getting it done through the air as well. Baltimore, on the other hand, they've really struggled on the offensive side this year. It's a good thing their defense has been as good as it has been. I mean, Joe Flacco and the Baltimore pass offense, under 250 yards per game. The run offense, under 86 yards per game. That's not good enough, and they're only scoring 20 points a game. It's not going to be good enough, especially going into Dallas, playing a team like the Cowboys in their home stadium. It certainly doesn't help Baltimore's case that while their offense stays right around the same in terms of average production on the road versus total on the season, the defense gets a little bit worse. They're giving up four more points per game on the road than they are with their season average. That's not going to be good against Dallas. Baltimore only 1-3 and three against the spread in their four road games so far this season. It all adds up to it ain't going to be good enough against Dallas. I like the Cowboys in Dallas. On the line, Dallas favored by 7.5 points here at home. I think I have to go with the Baltimore side of it just because I just think over a touchdown, I think it's too many. Because look, that Baltimore defense is going to give Dak Prescott fits. He's still a rookie. He's been great. He's been really good, but he's still a rookie, and that's still a really good defense on the other side. 
Ezekiel Elliott probably not going to have, you know, a monster game in this one. I think he's still going to have a good game, but I don't think he's going to have a monster game by any means. Dallas's defense, it's perfectly fine. It's definitely adequate with what they've been doing on the offensive side of the ball. But seven and a half points over a touchdown to me is too many. If this was six and a half points, I might give it to Dallas. With seven and a half, it's too many. Go Baltimore plus seven and a half. Total in this game is 45 points. I think it stays under. Again, Baltimore's offense, not really good. <laughs> let's let's be perfectly honest about it. Not a really good offense. Dallas's offense, just fine, but they're playing an elite defense on the other side. 45 points, it's too many. If it was 42, 43, I may tell you to go over, but under 45 points. So, Dallas beats Baltimore in Dallas. Baltimore plus 7.5 on the line, under 45 points. Let's go to Indianapolis now, and if I had an upset of the week, this would be it. The Tennessee Titans in Indianapolis taking on the Colts, and I like the Titans here. Sure, they're only 2-2 two and two on the road. Sure, they're only 1-2 and two in the division, 3-4 and four in the conference. They did win last week. They're 3-2 and two in their last five, and that offense doing some great things. As a matter of fact, that offense better than the Colts offense right now. And that's not to say the Colts offense has been bad. Colts offense is really good. 239 points is as many points scored as the New England Patriots this season. Now, of course, they didn't have Tom Brady for the first four weeks, but still, they were still putting up points. I think that Titans offense is what's going to be the difference in this game. It's going to be what Marcus Mariota can do when he has the football, and I think that's going to be whatever the hell he wants. That Colts secondary is like my week 10. It was bad and there's no way to sugarcoat it. They have the second worst secondary in football this season. One of only four teams in football giving up more than 280 yards on average through the air. And of those four teams, the Colts also have the worst run defense and they're giving up the second most points behind only New Orleans. So for a team with Marcus Mariota, who's been putting up a ton of yards and a big chunk, a whole big bunch of touchdowns, and for the run offense that is one of the elite run offenses in football, hasn't looked the greatest lately. It just seems like they're not really on, but I mean, like they were on a torrid pace before, but they're kind of coming a little bit back down to earth, but they're still, I mean, that run offense is still fantastic. I think they're going to get the job done. I think the offense in general is going to get the job done. Look, the Colts are going to put up their points as well. Tennessee's defense has been nothing to write home about this year either, but I really like Tennessee here in the quote-unquote upset, especially when you look at the line. I like the Titans on the road to beat Indy. Let's go to that line now. Indianapolis favored by three points at home. Another line that I completely do not understand. Tennessee plus three. Even if you like Indy to win this game, Tennessee plus three. Total in this game is 52 points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it because it's two really good offenses. Two defenses that are giving up just bucketfuls of yardage and a lot of points for Tennessee, especially more points than you would have thought that they would be giving up at this point or even in total through the season. But 52 points, not nearly enough. This is going to sail over. Could be another one of those games that goes to like high 60s, low 70s, take over 52 points. I like Tennessee on the road to upset Indianapolis. Tennessee plus three on the line, over 52 points. Let's go to Minnesota now where the Vikings finally get to go home where that defense is unbelievable to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And if you would have told somebody a month ago 
that the Vikings were going to go from 5 and 0 or 5 and 1 or whatever they were at that time and and leading the NFC North by a, a huge, pretty, you know, decent margin that the Lions would be leading the NFC North in the middle of November, I think people would have laughed at you, but here we are. Three of the four teams in the NFC North have only won one game in their last five. You look at the bottom three teams there, Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago. Combined between the three of them in their last five games, they are 3-12. and 12. We've talked about this a little bit on the show. Arizona's defense is garbage on the road. It's awful. On average on the season, they're only allowing 18 points per game. That's good. But when you look at their road games, they're giving up an average of 28. That's bad. Whereas Minnesota's defense, they've been so good. They were, they were really, they were almost unbeatable at the beginning of the season. And at home in their four home games, three of which have been wins, they're only giving up 15 points per game. This is a very good defense, Philadelphia-like, if you will, at home. But Minnesota, they've been so decimated with injuries. They can't protect the quarterback. For some reason, they can't Photoshop Sam Bradford's head onto Sam Bradford's body in game graphics. I don't understand what's going on with this team. Actually, that's a lie. I do understand it. It's the injuries. I mean, look, they've just had injury after injury after injury on the defensive side, on the offensive side. It's just... It's unbelievable. Like Teddy Bridgewater getting injured at the beginning of the season just opened the floodgates for Minnesota. And that's why even though the Cardinals are only 1-2 and on the road so far this season, I have to take Arizona in this game. Minnesota holding on for dear life here, trying to grab, and look, they're they're by no means out of it. They're tied for their division lead. In terms of the wild card, they're right there for a wild card if they don't get the division. Minnesota's got everything in the world to play for right now, but so does Arizona. Arizona, they're not out of their division yet either. They're two games behind Seattle, but that's only two games. They have the ability to catch up there. And in terms of the wild card, just like Minnesota, they're right there. Both of these teams have something to play for. I just like where Arizona's going in their last little bit a whole hell of a lot better than I like Minnesota. Eventually, hopefully this week, Arizona figures out how to play some defense on the road. Fingers crossed for my pick at the very least. But I have to take Arizona here because I, I, I don't know... I don't know what this Minnesota Vikings team is. I don't know what I'm going to get from them. I have to take the quote-unquote more secure thing. And even though they're giving up 28 points a game, right now that's Arizona. I like the Cardinals. On the line, this game is a pick So obviously in a pick I'm going to tell you to go with Arizona, even though I don't think my record in pick is all that great this year. But hey, let's go Arizona in a pick over Minnesota. Total in this game is 41 points. I have to tell you to go over on it because, again, Arizona's defense has been so bad. So I think Minnesota is going to be able to score their points. Again, Arizona's defense on the road has been that bad. And Minnesota, they're so beat up. They're just so injured. And I like what Arizona's been doing on offense lately. So 41 points, it's very low. I understand why it's that low, but I think you got to go over on it. So... Arizona beats Minnesota in Minnesota. I like Arizona on the line as a pick'em over 41 points. Let's go to New York now where the Giants are going to play host to the Chicago Bears. And the Bears made some news. Bears made some news yesterday. Wasn't positive news, but the, you know, news is news. Alshon Jeffrey gets himself suspended for four games due to violating the league's substance abuse policy. 
performance enhancing drugs, blah, blah, blah. How many times do we get to hear this story before we take some actual measures to get performance enhancing drugs out of sports or just decide that it's not a big deal? I don't even know what side of the fence I sit on that. And we're I'm, this is just going to be very quick, just kind of a very quick aside. But where do you guys sit on the whole idea of performance enhancing drugs in sports? Do we need to take hardline, you know, just critical measures to get it out of the sport? Or is it not a big deal? Do we just kind of look away from it like we did for so many years and just be like, look, if someone's going to choose to do that, Everybody might as well do it. So we're all on an even playing field, blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of different arguments for that. Some serious, some not. Where do you guys sit on performance enhancing drugs? Anyways, uh, we know where Alshon Jeffrey sits on it, and it's going to be on his couch for the next four weeks. And that's probably the primary reason why I like the Giants here. Now, look, with the kind of emergence of Cameron Meredith, I believe it is, with Chicago's pass game, losing Alshon Jeffrey is not the end of the world. Although I believe Meredith only had one catch in Chicago's last game, so they better figure out how to get him more involved in terms of volume. If the Giants are smart, they've got their best corner on Meredith. They're probably doubling him all damn night and making Chicago run the football into that pretty good Giants front seven. That would be the way that I would game plan it anyway. I like the Giants here. I have to take them because Chicago has lost one of their biggest weapons. Uh, I don't trust Jay Cutler. Uh, I haven't for a long, for quite a while. So I have to take the Giants here. Certainly helps the Giants are 3-1 and one at home. Chicago, I believe, is still 0 and a million on the road, 0-5 on the road. Don't think they've won a road game so far this year. It's very realistic that Chicago may go 0-8 on the road this year, especially if they don't have Jeffrey for some of those games. So I like the Giants straight up to beat the Bears, and it's not like the Giants super impressed me on Monday Night Football last night, but they did enough to win, and the defense held up, and that was the real side of it that I was like, okay, I can kind of trust the Giants a little bit because look at how the defense played. So I'll take the Giants to beat Chicago. On the line, Giants are favored by a touchdown. Uh, that 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 bothers me because Eli Manning in that game last night still made some dumb decisions. Still threw some passes too early. Overthrew a couple of receivers. Underthrew a couple of receivers. Eli Manning is still making mistakes that a quarterback with his experience probably shouldn't be making at the rate that he's making them. So, seven points... You know what, if it was under a touchdown, I'd probably go with it. But I kind of like Chicago's side of that line. So even though I like the Giants to win, I'm going to tell you to take Chicago plus 7. Total in this game is 47.5 points. I think you have to stay under it because Chicago has played some defense this year. The Giants, they displayed last night. They're capable of playing some defense too. Again, we talked a little bit about the you know Eli Manning and really not being that trustworthy. I feel a little... Uh, I got a little bit of buyer's remorse for drafting him in fantasy football. I'm going to go with my gut here, and my gut says take the Giants at home. And hey, they even got a bit of a run game going last night, which was excellent to see. Giants beat the Bears in New York. Giants beat the Bears in New York. Chicago plus seven on the line, under 47 and a half points. Let's go to the Golden Coast now, where the Los Angeles Rams are going to be playing host to the Miami Dolphins. And for whatever reason, Los Angeles is the favorite in this game taking nothing away from that defense. That defense has been very good this year, but they can't score. 
How do you have a team that's a favorite that can't score any points? Defense is incredibly important. I argue it wins championships, but last time I checked, the way you win a football game is scoring more points than the other guy. Now, the Rams did that last week, but they did it 9-6. to six. Something tells me they won't hold the Dolphins to six points, especially not when the Dolphins have won four straight games. Now, look, they've lost their only matchup against the NFC this year. I understand that, but that was also kind of back when the Dolphins were playing like garbage. They're not playing like garbage right now. Obviously, run game, unbelievable. Ryan Tannehill starting to play a little bit better, getting some other Dolphins receivers involved. Jarvis Landry still having a bit of a down season, but I mean... You know, he's still Jarvis Landry, so any week now, he could explode. I'm, in fact, expecting a big week out of Jarvis Landry. I'm expecting a big week out of Ryan Tannehill. I'm expecting another big week out of Jay Ajayi. I think the Dolphins roll in this game. I swear to God, this is the last time I'm going to say it. Can we finally see some Jared Goff? I read a really disheartening news article the other day where Jeff Fisher was quoted as saying Jared Goff is not going to play until we're out of the playoff race. The Rams are 4-5 and five right now. They're right in the thick of the playoff race in terms of that last wildcard spot. I would argue that if you want a chance to get that last wildcard spot, you should probably consider making a change at quarterback when your quarterback has only put up 139 points in nine games. Who knows, maybe this week's loss will finally be the thing that gets Jeff Fisher to say, I was wrong. Is there any sweeter sound than Jeff Fisher saying, I was wrong? Anyway, I like the Dolphins here, even though it's on the road. Dolphins roll over the LA Rams. On the line, Again, Rams are favored by a point. I don't understand that. Miami plus one all day long. Miami's going to win this game. Total in this game is 40 and a half points. I think I have to stay under on it because Los Angeles can't score and their defense is really good. So I don't think Miami's going to score at the clip that they're used to, but that's still going to be good enough to win the game and win it pretty convincingly. So Miami beats Los Angeles in Los Angeles. Miami plus one under 40 points. Let's go to Seattle now, Battle of the Birds, the Seahawks, playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks are riding high, man. They have won two straight games. They're 3-1-1 in their last five. They're leading the NFC West now by a full two games. They're back to where they're used to being. And that defense, that defense is playing some great football right now. That is to take nothing away from the Philadelphia Eagles. They won last week. They got it done. Ryan Matthews, especially the run game, getting in there, taking some pressure off Carson Wentz. We like to see that if we're a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I don't like the Eagles' chances in this game. And really, it all comes down to location. If this game was in Philadelphia, I would be tempted to take the upset and go with Philly over Seattle. It's not. The game's in Seattle. Seattle's undefeated at home. Philly's 1-4 on the road. They're 1-4 against the spread on the road. Their defense giving up an extra touchdown on the road versus the incredibleness that has been the Philadelphia Eagles defense at home. They ain't going to be at home in this one. Their offense takes a little bit of a down tick on the road, whereas Seattle scoring about five extra points at home than they are on the road. So I think this, I mean, this is Seattle's game to lose, obviously, where it's it's at home. But even just by the numbers, it's Seattle's game to lose. I'm going to tell you to take the Seahawks, and I think they win in relatively convincing fashion 
over the Eagles. On the line, Seattle favored by six points. I'm going to tell you to take that. It's under a touchdown. Seattle's, again, their offense playing really well at home. Russell Wilson still getting it done, even though he's not running nearly as much or as effectively as he used to. They're, they're, he's still getting it done. He's still getting the Seahawks to wins. They've won six of their nine games. He's still getting them there. So I like Seattle minus six based on the situation. Again, if the game was in Philadelphia, I'd probably be taking Philly straight up. But Seattle straight up, Seattle minus six. Total in this game is 44 and a half. Typically, I would be inclined to tell you to stay under on this number. I'm going to go over because three of Seattle's four home games have gone over. All five of Philadelphia's road games have gone over, and it's not a ridiculously high number at 44.5, so I'm going to kind of go by the numbers there and tell you to go over on it. So, Seattle beats Philly straight up, Seattle minus 6 on the line, over 44.5 points, and the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze is the Green Bay Packers traveling to Washington to take on the Skins. I'm going to put it to you like this. There are 17 teams in the NFL right now who are 500 or under. And of those teams, there is no team that needs to win more than Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers, they're a cornerstone franchise in this league. They're under 500. That is atypical to say the least. And whereas earlier in the season, the offense was struggling, but the defense was keeping them in games and getting it done. Now the offense is looking still not great, but better. Aaron Rodgers playing better and the defense can't make a stop. Now look, granted their last three games, especially Green Bay has played some really good offenses. They lost to Atlanta by a point in Atlanta. They gave up 31 points to Indianapolis. It's Andrew Luck. I understand. Last week was a real, like, I I get that they were on the road, and I understand. And Tennessee, again, has been doing some excellent things on the offensive side, but 47 points? 47? 47 points. Green Bay still one of the best run defenses in football. They're still only giving up an average of 85 yards per game on the ground, but that number used to be, like, early in the season, that number was in, like, the high 40s to low 50s. So what that tells you is that the run defense has regressed. The run defense has gotten worse. The secondary is only middle of the pack to begin with. And I've seen the Green Bay Packers secondary just give up some plays this season where I'm just like, I'm just, my mind is boggled that they gave up the play. And they're giving up an average of 26 points per game just on the season on average. And as good as they were beginning of the season, that means the defense has regressed. Right now, in fact, I would say their opponents, certainly a better secondary. Their run defense, let's face it, it's not great. It's number 23 in the league, giving up 115 yards. That's not good. The secondary is a little bit better than Green Bay's right now. Once again, just to underscore this, there is no team in football that is 500 or under right now that needs to win more than the Green Bay Packers, and I think they get it done. The Redskins are by no means untouchable at home. They've won three of their five home games, but that does mean that they've lost two. They're giving up right around the same number of points on average on the season as they're scoring. Their defense is good, but it's not great. It is penetrable, and Green Bay needs to figure it out. They need to figure out a way to do it. I've been beating the Ty Montgomery drum for weeks now. If Ty Montgomery's not the guy, fine. That's great. 
But you better hope that James Starks comes back and he's ready to be the guy. Because if he's not, that's weeks. That's another few weeks that you're going to have trouble. I still think between the backfield and the receiving game, Ty Montgomery is a guy that you can get 10 to 12 touches a game and he can do some damage. They need to figure out, they need to get it worked out, how to integrate him into that offense because he can be an X factor. He can be a difference maker. There's so many guys on that offense that a defense has to account for. That's why you integrate a guy like Ty Montgomery. Anyways, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop beating the Ty Montgomery drum because it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I think you got to place that blame on Mike McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers is the guy. If Mike McCarthy's not going to do it, Aaron Rodgers has to be the guy to do it. He's got to be the guy to just grab a guy like Jordy Nelson and grab Devontae Adams. Just grab him by the cuff. Grab him by the collar and say, I'm going to drag you through this game if I need to. If I need to attempt 70 passes, I will, but we're going to win this goddamn game. I think he's going to do that. I like Green Bay this week. On the line, Washington two and a half point favorite, which is just a microcosm of how, you know, how Green Bay has played, especially lately. But I got to take Green Bay's side of that plus two and a half. I like him to win. Take Green Bay plus two and a half. Total in this game is 50 and a half points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it because Washington can certainly score their points and Green Bay definitely not playing well on defense and they're definitely giving up points. So 50 and a half points, I think it sails over. Green Bay beats Washington in Washington. Green Bay plus two and a half over 50 and a half points. Let's go to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 11 in the NFL. Let's get into them. They're the top picks on the season. We're going to start with the bronze pick where I'm 5-5 five and five straight up, 4-5-1 five and one against the spread, and 5-5 five and five on the over-under. I have the Detroit Lions playing at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Detroit, they're the only team in that division that's playing like they want to win it. Four of their last five games, they've won. Inside the conference, they're four and two. Now that does mean that they're one and two against AFC opponents, which is what they have this week. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, we just we finally got to face facts. The Jags are not, once again, not what we hoped them to be. The Jags are a team that, at best, are going to finish the season four and twelve. And most people, myself included, kind of expected Jacksonville to be up around that five hundred area but at this point they basically have to win out to do that and they ain't going to do that because they ain't going to win this week lions are three and one straight up and against the spread at home this season they've played very well in the friendly confines of detroit and basically the offense the defense it's been very balanced like it's been very steady whether they've been at home or on the road the offense defense it's been fairly steady on the season detroit averaging 23 points per game at home 22 and a half Defense giving up about 23 points a game at home, 21. Very balanced, right? A little bit better at home, but very balanced one way or the other. Jacksonville, they're only scoring 19 points per game on average on the season. And on the road, it gets a little worse. It goes down to 17. Points against, they're giving up 27 on average on the season. They're giving up 27 on the road. So their defense has been very balanced and very reliable. It just hasn't been reliably good. So you got to take Detroit. There's no question about this game. You have to take Detroit. I like the Lions straight up to beat Jacksonville. On the line, Detroit favored by under a touchdown, six and a half points. I'm going to tell you to take that. It's under a touchdown. Go for it. Detroit minus six and a half. Total in this game, 47 points. Jacksonville can score points. I don't think they are going to score a ton, but they can score points. 
And it's not a ridiculous number. It's like it's not in the 50s. If this was in the 50s, I'd have to stay under on it. But 47, I kind of like the over on that one. So I'm going to tell you to go over 47 points. Detroit beats Jacksonville. Detroit minus six and a half. Over 47 points. That's the bronze pick. Silver pick where I'm seven and three straight up, six and four against the spread, and six and four over under. Sees the New England Patriots travel to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. I ain't going to talk about this much, except to say this. New England's going to win this game. That's part one. Part two, let's go immediately to the line. The line is 13 and a half points, just like it was last week. And I think it's fair. I actually think it's fair this time. You might be saying, Justin, what's the difference? Last week you said 14 points is too many. It's a professional football game. You're not wrong, but it's New England. And New England, I think, is just the... Pardon the pun, pardon the presidential election pun, but I think New England is the trump card. (laughs) Get it? Sorry for that. Anyways, I do think New England is the trump card here. The fact that it's New England, that's just the difference. Tom Brady is the difference. Now look, he wasn't the difference last week, but that was against Seattle. They they ain't playing Seattle this week. They're going from one of the best defenses in football to probably the worst. And look, Colin Kaepernick, good on Colin Kaepernick. He played really well last week. Matter of fact, he's the reason, I would say, that San Francisco had any chance of winning that game. I like the Patriots to beat San Francisco, and I like New England minus 13.5 on the line because it's New England. Total in this one's 51.5 points. It's going to go over. Let's just, it's going to go over. So, over 51.5 points, New England minus 13 and a half in a game that New England wins straight up on the road in San Francisco. That is the silver pick. My gold pick where I am nine and one straight up on the season, six and four against the spread and six and four over under, sees the Mexico game, Oakland, quote unquote, playing host to the Houston Texans in Mexico. This is going to be like the atmosphere to end all atmospheres because you get Oakland fans down in Mexico with tequila. (laughs) And I think it's going to be amazing. And as far as I'm concerned, there is no logical reason to pick the Houston Texans. I'm going with Oakland. You basically have to treat this as a road game for both teams. So what has Oakland done, quote unquote, on the road this year? Well, they're only 5-0. They're only scoring about 29 points a game. They're only giving up about 22 points a game. Okay. What has Houston done on the road this year? Well, they're only one and three. They're one and three against the spread. They are giving up about 27 points a game. Ooh, that's not good. And they're scoring 11 and a half. Um, In case you're wondering, that's not good. Are you kidding me? You got to take Oakland in this game. No reason to not take the Raiders. The Raiders are going to be 8-2. and Oakland wins this game huge as far as I'm concerned. Straight up. We go to the line. Oakland favored by 5 points on the line. I'm going to tell you to go Oakland minus 5. Even if it was higher than that. Actually, you know what? Let's take a let's take an updated look. So, yeah, it's 5.5, 6. Even that, I'd tell you to take it. But I got it at minus 5. Definitely going Oakland minus five. 
Total in this game, 46 points. You got to go over on it. Neither one of these teams can play defense. Sure, Houston can't play on the offensive side of the ball, but they're going to have plenty of opportunity to against Oakland. I just think Oakland's going to run up the score. So Oakland minus five, over 46 points. Oakland wins the game in Mexico. Arriba, that is the gold pick. And my platinum pick where I am 9-1 straight up on the season, 4-5-1 against the spread, and 4-6 and over under. So we're definitely not doing well on those betting picks with the platinum. Sees the Kansas City Chiefs at home taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. And this is based on essentially nothing but the situation. Kansas City's undefeated at home. That's one of the hardest buildings in football to win a game at. Sure, Tampa Bay's 3-1 on the road. They've played much better on the road than they have at home. Much better. But the offense does take a little bit of a downtick on the road than it does at home. Defense plays a little bit better. Kansas City's defense at home has played better than they have just on average on the season. <clears throat> I just like Kansas City here. Their offense plays much better, measurably better at home than they do on the road. They're going to be able to put up their points, I would expect. Spencer Ware is going to have a much bigger game than he did last week just coming out of the concussion protocol. I really like Kansas City in this one. Kansas City beats Tampa Bay in Kansas City. On the line, however, Kansas City favored by 7.5 points. I don't think I can go with that. I think I have to give the Bucks the benefit of the doubt on that one and go Tampa Bay plus seven and a half. They are three and one against the spread on the road this year. So Tampa Bay plus seven and a half. Total in this game is 44 and a half points. I think it's going to go over. Kansas City is definitely going to score their points. Tampa Bay is more than capable of scoring their points. 44 and a half. It's not a big number. Even in the 40s, I'm going to tell you to go over. Kansas City beats Tampa Bay. I got Tampa Bay plus seven and a half on the line. Over 44 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. No comments from the SoundCloud episode, so we are back to YouTube for the comment of the week from the Week 10 video. The only thing I got on SoundCloud was a spammy private message. So we are back to YouTube for the comment of the week. Comment of the week from the Week 10 video goes to Half Moon's Picks. And he is someone who, he always comments on the videos, and he always has something insightful to say. Half Moon's Picks comment from the Week 10 video goes like this. Good to see the error of your ways with San Diego and Tampa Bay. God damn it, Coleman. <laughs> now your percentage should go up a tad. As always, I always learn just a little bit more watching your videos every week. Keep up the good work. Peace out, Lions number one. Well, the Lions are definitely going to be number one this week. They are going to roll over Jacksonville. Thank you, Half Moon's pick. Stephen Coleman, another excellent NFL YouTube prognosticator. He is the comment of the week from the Week 10 video. All right, folks, that's going to do it for week 11 in the NFL. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to get you out of here on my CFL picks. We are into the conference finals in the CFL playoffs, and I am on a white hot streak picking the CFL games. If you stick around long enough to listen to my CFL picks and you're betting my CFL picks, your ass is making money. I'm on a 9-1 and one run in the last three weeks in the CFL, including going 2-0 and oh last week in the two playoff games. 9-1 and one run, let's keep it going. In the CFL, Edmonton, traveling to Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. That is the Eastern Conference Final. Edmonton, of course, is a crossover team. No crossover team has ever made it to the Grey Cup. We also have Calgary playing host to BC in the Western Conference Final. I'm 24-18 and 18 straight up picking the CFL due entirely to this 9-1 run that we're on. And in the Eastern Conference Final, 
I think for the first time ever, a crossover team will make it to the Grey Cup. I like Edmonton to beat the Red Blacks in Ottawa, deny Ottawa their second straight trip to the Grey Cup. Edmonton beats the Red Blacks in Ottawa. And I like Calgary at home where they've been untouchable. They're undefeated this season at 7-0, at least 7-0 if not more. Calgary beats BC to make a Grey Cup final, an all-Western Grey Cup final of Edmonton and Calgary. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Week 11 show. Thank you very much for listening. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. You're going to notice the episode is up a little bit earlier than normal. I got to get to work at noon, so I got to get this bad boy uploaded and gone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you again for Week 12. Peace out. Mm -hmm.